Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Roll the Quadcast, a Blogger So Dear podcast where little old Charlie Brown is still trying to kick that football. Blogger So Dear is the go-to website for the best independent analysis of Wake Forest athletics. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Roll the Quadcast. My name is Riley Johnston and as always I am joined by my co-host Robert Reinhardt. Rob, how are we doing tonight on this uh, Bowl Eligible Monday? Oh, doing doing fantastic this evening on this Bowl Eligible Monday. Was looking great for a while on Saturday, then very comfortable, then then outstanding again. So always good to show up to work on Monday morning after your uh, college football team secured a, a big victory over the weekend. Yeah, you're always walking a little bit on cloud nine when uh, you kind of talk to your coworkers about who might have gone to other schools and they say, hey, you know, your team's bowl eligible. That's a great way to start. Um, and just a heads up about this podcast, Rob will probably be dropping out of somewhere around midway and I will take us to half of the rest of the way. We've got a lot to talk about so far. Um, it was a very, very busy weekend for Wake Forest Athletics, starting with the men's basketball game on Friday night that we unfortunately lost um, to Georgia Southern in a fairly mild uh, moderate, I would say, upset, 85 to 83 at the last second. Uh, then we bounced back a little bit emotionally on Saturday. And as Rob noted, it, that was a roller coaster on its own where we got up, uh, got up big or, well, got up, I guess, fast, uh, 21 to 14. Then Syracuse came back, scored the next 24 points, and then Wake Forest romped them in the second half, outscoring the Orange 40 to 5 en route to a 64 to 43 victory that secured bowl eligibility. Um, and then we moved into Sunday yesterday where the Wake Forest men's soccer team took us through a similar up and down experience. Um, I was fortunate enough to be able to attend that game. It was about 15 minutes north of Charleston, um, and it was a great atmosphere. The congregation was fantastic. Uh, the, the game was tied at zero, uh, went to penalty kicks. Wake Forest got a red card in the 43rd minute that called to play a man down for the final 67 minutes. But uh, Virginia insisted on uh, staying back and not playing soccer at all. So Wake took advantage of that took it to penalty kicks, and inevitably won their second straight ACC championship. Uh, it was announced earlier today they were also the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament, which they probably would have been anyway since Indiana lost in penalty kicks to number 24 Wisconsin yesterday in the Big Ten uh, conference final. But let's first start with football, the, the, the big thing, part of the weekend. Wake Forest won their sixth game of the season, um, overcoming a 14-point deficit uh, to Syracuse, 38-24, uh, um, scoring 40 unanswered points in the second half to defeat them 64-43. to Rob, what are your overall impressions about the game, uh, the resiliency of Wake Forest, and uh, talk about our guy, John Wolford. Yeah, I, you know, that was that was exciting. I mean, Wake Forest, if you think about how we've had to win in previous years under Clawson, and when we've won ACC games his first two years, it was these comical scores of 3 to nothing. and BC has horrific clock management as the game ends. We win 6-3 to three in double overtime. Um, but, you know, this year we're putting up points, and we're putting up points on everybody, even 14 against Clemson. Um, put up, you know, a lot of points against State, against Florida State. And, I, you know, this is a game we couldn't have won in years past just because, you know, the number of points Syracuse scored in the in the first half would have been more than we would have scored all game, maybe in two games sometimes. But, I mean, really outstanding offensive execution throughout the entire game. Stalled a bit in the second quarter, but, you know, the first quarter they were clicking so much. And then I, I thought it was huge at the end of the first half where we hit Tabari Hines for that 40-44 yard gain, and then Colburn gets us a few extra yards, sets us up in field goal position, two possessions. Then you get the ball back uh, to start the second half. I thought that was big. Wolford was unbelievable. Uh, you know, won, won some accolades as ACC offensive back of the of the week, as he rightfully deserved. Really, 
distributed the ball well to, to Serenay, to Hines, to, to Scotty Washington, who continues to emerge. That's a really encouraging sign, I think, moving forward. So, you know, Wake Forest is now, you know, we're playing an exciting brand of football. We're winning, and we're winning with style. Uh, you would have told me we were going to be down 17 points and find a way to win an ACC road game by 21. Would have never believed it in a million years. But here we are, and uh, I, I think this is going to be big time moving forward. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with you there. I think in years past and maybe games past, when it got to 38-21 to 21 with 17 seconds left, Dave Clawson would have said, hey, we're taking a knee, we're going to halftime, we'll figure it out then. So I give him a, a big kudos to at finally going for it, like showing some aggressiveness, showing faith in your offensive line, your, your quarterback, uh, your running game. And, you know, that, that pass to Hines, Hines made a guy miss and then got down there. Um, I think that was a turning point in the game. And also, after we had traded field goals to make it 41-27, to 27, and a play that sticks out to me. It was third and seven on, I believe, our own 25 to 30-yard line. Um, Wolford had, took a couple seconds to throw the ball, but the line blocked long enough, and he found Serenade right across the middle. Um, it was a high ball. Uh, Cam went up to grab it, caught it, uh, and that kind of kept that drive alive and spurted it to go there. And y- you don't know what would have happened if we missed that. It's a two-possession game with approximately 22 minutes left. But, um, you know, we got down there. I, I think we scored that touchdown uh, with about five minutes left in the third yep. the third quarter. So that would have made it uh, – we scored 40 or tw- 37 points in the final, uh, what, 20 minutes, which obviously will get you a lot of victories. So I thought that was a turning point in the game. And, and you can't say enough about what Wolford did um, – you know, if you don't count garbage time, then he was over 400, 500 total yards. Um, but he, he threw the ball, uh, let's see here, 38 times, 25 completions, which is 66%. Took just one sack, had about 9.26 yards per attempt, um, and also ran the ball for 138 yards uh, before taking out the losses. It was really a phenomenal performance, and he won the offensive back of the week, and he likely won it over his battery mate, Matt Colburn. Uh, um, if I had to pick another guy, to win it, it would either be A.J. Dillon from B.C. or Matt Colburn. Rob, what do you think uh, the offensive line, there are a lot of interesting stats tweeted out today by uh, David Hale, particularly at ESPN, kind of showing the development of the offensive line, but um, they've really stepped up over the last uh, four games especially, but it's come together as a pretty cohesive unit. Do you think that has kind of spurred the play calling to be more aggressive, or do you think the aggressive play calling since the Louisville game uh, has helped out the offensive line, or do you think it's kind of a, a combination of the two? You know, it's probably some kind of a combination, but I, I do think that this offensive line has gotten so much better. It was anemically bad in the first few years. We sort of took our, our beatings, but that's something that Clawson went out and recruited early on, redshirted them, developed them for the strength and conditioning program. They've really grown up together, Haynes, Anderson, Haran, um, you know, all those guys. And, you know, we, we're going to return it back next year. But I think Wolford's getting so much credit for his performance, his performances this year, and, and rightfully so, uh, along with Colburn in, in recent weeks, who I agree was absolutely outstanding um, this past week in, in previous games. Uh, but, you know, you just mentioned it. Wolford had time to throw to Serenade because the, the line was able to block so well. They're generating a lot of holes to, to allow Colburn to, to run downhill. Um, and we're just not doing that without him. So when you have better players, I think as a play caller, you have a lot more freedom. And he's able to take a lot more deep shots down the field that in previous years, even if your receivers could theoretically get open and beat their man, it may have been too late uh, because the line didn't block well enough. So this this is – been a unit that Clawson said two or three years ago would be a position of strength at one point and you know here we are it's it's 2017 and it's it's a position of strength for Wake Forest and you know has allowed us to do a lot of great things on the offensive side of the ball yeah I agree I think this game kind of featured a complete turnaround um, of the season and you know we had that game against Louisville where we came out throwing the ball all over the place but that's against a very bad defense in Louisville. Um, so I, I don't want to discredit that, but um, like how well we played, but putting up 64 points against a, a defense in Syracuse, who's not great, but they're not bad either. I think the most they've given up was 35 to LSU. And then they allowed 64 points against us. No defensive touchdown, no special teams touchdown. Um, that, 
that that's pretty impressive for offense. And there are so many records that Wake broke on Saturday. We had most yards in a game, 734. Cam Serenier set the all-time ACC um, reception yards for a career passing. Carolina's Eric Ebron. Um, Wolford tied his own school record at six touchdowns. An odd stat is the first time in school history that only two players for Wake Forest have carried the ball um, in Colburn and Wolford, which I didn't really realize till after the game. Uh, kind of an odd stat there, but uh, it's, it's weird that in our 111-year history, nobody else has ever done that, like just two guys carrying it, um, which I found kind of unique. But overall, the, the offense was obviously fantastic, and there's so many guys that you can point to, whether it's Matt Colburn for effectively saving the backfield season for uh, Christian Beal, you know, the offensive line for stepping up, uh, Scotty Washington, Nabari Hines stepping up with the door injury when they were called upon, Serenade stepping up. I mean, it, you can go on all day about that. Um, but it's not all sunshine and rainbows, though, Rob. Yes, Wake Forest is bowl eligible at 6-4, and four, but the defense continues to struggle immensely since Jesse Bates um, hurt himself in the Louisville game. But we saw a slight, you know, uh, hope, I guess, in the second half that maybe we can turn this around the final two games in the bowl game against uh, State, Duke, and the opponent to be determined. What did you see in the second half that was different than the first half where they allowed, what, 38 points and then turned it around to only allowing five points? Yeah, I think I think we just had better discipline overall. I I know in Clawson's post game comments, he he made a number of mentions that they didn't necessarily make too many off or uh, defensive adjustments. It, it was a matter of just sticking with their assignment and, and not losing their man. I know he mentioned on uh, the RPO to the Syracuse tight end where he was wide open. That was that was a blown assignment, and similar to that fourth and two end around he said that he said that was also a blown assignment so uh you know i guess they just limited some some mental mistakes there in the second half um and we were able to force a, a few turnovers our, our turnover luck started to uh improve to the mean i guess i don't know if it's necessarily a regression if if, if it's uh if it's improving but uh you know got some big turnovers that helped flip some field position i, I thought that was big and um you know benefited yeah, from a missed field goal, I believe that that might have just been in the first half. But uh, you know, they locked down, and you know, I, I was, I was just impressed by what I saw. Though, Clawson gave them a lot more compliments at the end of the game than I would would have liked. I, I mean, I know he wants to keep the emotion high because because they just secured a big victory. But uh, the bottom line is, they, you know, we were not in, we were only in that game because of the offense in the first half. Uh, and much like the defense has kept us in games um, in, in previous years, the offense kept us in there, and we were in the game despite the defense's uh, you know, horrific showing in the first half. Yeah, and as frustrating as the first half was watching the defense, and especially for just the linebackers, we've talked about this, and I'm not a defensive expert by any stretch of the imagination, and a lot of times until you see the All-22, it's hard to know. I don't know the assignments that the linebackers have, um, but it seems a lot of the game, we're just playing with the a front line of the defensive line and then the secondary, and you know if we don't get to the quarterback and the, or the quarterback sneaks free, then there's just nobody in the middle of the field. I don't really know sometimes what Dawson Kemp and either Jabor Williams or uh, Justin Sternod, if he's in there, are, are doing out there. And I'm not trying to throw these guys under the bus, but it has felt almost all year that we just don't have a second level of defender. Um, and on several plays that I tried to watch late in the first half, they're just floating around. And whether it's zone coverage where they're just kind of soft or Dawson spying on Mahoney or whatever they're doing, it, it's very frustrating as a viewer um, to, to try to figure out what's going on there because they're, they're not blitzing, they're not helping out in coverage, they're not making tackles, and they're not in the middle of the field. So I don't know where they are what they're doing but Sternod and Jabori had two fantastic interceptions the Sternod picks about as good as you'll ever see um, out of a linebacker and, and I want to give a credit to Luke Masterson he was thrown in there against Notre Dame and then this week against Syracuse a high-flying passing offense uh, those are two very difficult situations to be put in he made a couple of great plays on the ball in the second half one that he probably should have picked off and another breakup that he came in uh, late on so I think he's coming around a bit as well but um I don't know. There's still a lot of frustration on the defense, and uh, they'll be tried against a very good NC State team this week. But, you know, all in all, we got the win. That's what matters, and uh, hopefully they'll continue to get a little bit better as the year goes on. Um, one thing I do want to note, we got several questions about this, the injuries. This should come out in the press conference tomorrow and maybe Wednesday um, when the depth chart is released, which is usually tomorrow afternoon. Um, I believe Duke Edgefort injured his ankle. I'm not a medical expert, but the doctors were looking at the upper part of his leg. If that is a 
high ankle sprain, that's usually a four to six week injury on standard. Um, so that would probably put him out for the final two regular season games. Um, that really not help out a lot considering he has had a fantastic year. Um, I also have not heard anything on Jesse Bates or Cade Carney, but I believe those two should come out um, probably tomorrow. And hopefully it's a little bit more optimistic. Um, Rob, do you have anything on, I guess, the injuries or the Syracuse game to wrap up before we move to NC State? Uh, I guess the only thing to mention with the with the linebackers, I do remember watching the the Louisville game with with our friend Zach, who knows a lot more about football, all uh, football, especially schematically. And he he did mention that you know the linebackers aren't dropping deep, aren't dropping back deep enough in into some of their uh, zone responsibilities. So you know I think that could be part of the reason why you're you're seeing um, you know that that middle of the defense just wide open, and there was you know that play. Against against Louisville, uh, Jabori almost made an incredible interception, but the reason he didn't actually pick it off was because he wasn't, you know, deep enough in deep enough in his drop where it should have been a much easier interception. So uh, potentially something to watch out for. But yeah, obviously, obviously, really hope Jesse Bates comes back. I think we we've seen how badly we've we've missed him. Masterson, obviously, I, I I agree with you. I thought he improved a lot against Syracuse and was thrown against two difficult matchups, but I think uh, especially with some of the playmakers that State has and, and Hines and, and Samuels, having Jesse Bates there to be a, a sure tackler uh, will go a long way in helping us. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, you know, you never want to see one guy mean that much because you see what happens like tonight when he or this week the past two weeks where he hasn't been able to play um you know what happened to the team overall um but hopefully he'll be back i believe he's nursing a knee injury um but it would be good if we had him against the speed of uh naheem hines and jalen samuels and ryan finley for nc state um so it's a good time i guess to pivot to nc state um wake forest will take on the Wolfpack in winston-salem on saturday night at 7 30 on espnu and i did some research today because i know wake forest and nc state have met obviously a lot over the past hundred years, but very rarely are both teams good when the two teams meet. And as a matter of fact, this is the first time since 1971, November 13th, 1971, um, that Wake Forest has hosted an in-state um, team when in November when both teams are above 500 um, in the ACC. We actually, oddly enough, hosted App State in 1988 when we were both six and four, and we tied at 34 to make us go six four and one and cost us it cost us a Berth, which is the well, most cool Wake Forest thing ever to do. Um, but, and I, I stopped after I looked at the Duke game. I did not see a game when Wake has hosted NC State where they are both above 500 in November. So this is a very important game for Wake Forest as far as bowl. And it's a very important game for NC State. They, they, came back against Boston College to win 17 to 14 um, and they come into this game with a seven and three record nationally ranked um, it opened as a toss-up and now Wake has moved to about a one to a 1.5 point favorite um, Rob what are your overall thoughts about NC State based on what you've seen so far this year and also how you think Wake Forest matches up and how much this game means to Wake Forest well look they're they're clearly a, a really talented team um, you, you know you don't contend against against Clemson and then in that knockoff Florida state, obviously Florida states had, had their own issues, but uh, they knocked them off early in the season when uh, optimism was still, was still high. They knocked them off on the road. Um, you know, they're, they're clearly a talented team, but this is a team that's, that's had some disappointment in recent weeks. They, they obviously lost a game. They should have won against South Carolina. They completely outplayed them, but uh, typical NC State miscues, allowing an opening kickoff return, ultimately cost ultimately cost them that victory. But they bounce their way back, start getting some more some more hype. Then they lose to Notre Dame, and then ACC Atlantic Division essentially on the line at home against Clemson. Couldn't find a way to get that done. And you know I think they came out flat last this past Saturday against Boston College. Boston College has been playing a lot better, um, but only beat them by three. I like this spot. I think we're coming off a lot of enthusiasm. I think we're going to be playing loose. Uh, I think we're going to be playing with a lot of confidence. Night game. I, you know, I, I like this spot. They're a very talented team, especially on the defensive line with, with Chubb, probably conference defensive player of the year and an explosive offense with, with Finley, uh, Hines, and Samuels. But, you know, I, I think we can keep up with them. I was initially worried going, going into the game 
you know, several weeks ago, I guess entering the season really, thinking, I don't know if we can score with them, but uh, we can score with them. We can score with <laughs> any team left on our, on, on our schedule. So uh, I'm really excited about this game, and it's really all upside for Wake, but, you know, it would be Clawson's first opportunity to beat, to beat NC State during his tenure here. Yeah, I think uh, the the big thing is um, just the night game, the fact that you can build on this, you can bring recruits to it. And, yes, NC State will bring a lot of fans. They always do. Um, it, since it will be a night game, it will be a little bit louder on probably both sides. It, it'll be senior fifth day for Wake Forest. It'll be um, – State will be bringing a, a large contingent from Raleigh and the surrounding areas. They have a big fan base. They're having a very good year too, and, and they're still trying to set their sights on the Orange Bowl despite their loss to Clemson um, and probable – and they've been eliminated from the Atlantic. It's a very good team, and they're, they're trying to get to 9, 10, wins of their own this year and they can get to 10 wins if they beat Wake this week and beat Carolina and then win their bowl game it can still be a special year for them it can still be a very special year for Wake Forest only three times in school history has Wake Forest won eight regular season games um this is a chance for Wake to continue to develop and show recruits that they're for real and, and bring people in. Uh, the over-under for this game is 62 points, and uh, that's right at about what Football Study Hall has it, too, 32 to 27. They like Wake Forest in that. Um, they're pretty high. The analytics are fairly high on Wake just because of the offensive output has been really ridiculous and outside what you would expect. It's almost an outlier nationally over the last few weeks. Um, and that offense that started at 97th uh, in the country is now at 26th in the country, while the defense that started 23rd is at 55th. So it's been a complete reversal. Um, and, and if you give me the over-under as to when the um, – Offense would pass the defense and S&P, I would have said, maybe not even by next year. Um, so it's been a phenomenal turnaround by the offense. And they're going up against an NC State defense that is 60th in the country, according to S&P Plus. And they do a reasonable job at defending the, the pass. They are, let's see here ranked 35th in defending the pass and 39th in defending the pass and 45th in defending the rush. So a fairly well-balanced team. Uh, Wake Forest, of course, has the second-best passing attack in the NCAA, and their rushing has improved a little bit, but it's still uh, not up to where it needs to be. Although if the line continues blocking like this, then you know the, the sky's the limit at that point. Um, what do you think the defense has to do to kind of shut down Naeem Hines, Jalen Samuels, and Ryan Finley? I know they like to get to the boundary, use a lot of reverses, a lot of speed, a lot of uh, different plays. Uh, what do you think we need to do as far as limiting that and just kind of keeping everything in front of us to prevent a 40-point game again? Uh, I, you know, I think this, this is where just, just preparation is going to be big and, and, and not, not losing contain and, and having a very in-depth knowledge of, of all the, you know, the trickery and the reverses that, that they like in misdirection that they like to run um, because they're, they're so shifty you can't get caught caught going the wrong way. So I think we're going to need to be smart about our pursuit angles. And if we need to come in, you know, a little bit slower, but at a better angle, uh, I, I think that could be big for us. That, that really hurt us against Lamar Jackson uh, of, of Louisville. And look, NC State does not have Lamar Jackson. No other team in the, in the country does. Uh, but they still, you know, Samuels is, is a stud. Hines, no, he's been dealing with some, some injuries, but he's, he's been very good very good too so we can't lose contain on the outside and then with, with Finley I think we're going to need to find a way to generate pressure because if you give him time he will pick you apart he's extremely accurate uh, so, and he can actually run a little bit too uh, he had a, a nice run against Boston College and he's had nice runs throughout the season so I, I think we're going to need to generate some pressure and uh, you know hopefully get them in in, in situations where our, you know they're, they're off schedule and then they're, they're less likely to run some of those um, you know, perimeter sweeps. Yeah, and the the good news is while Finley is mobile, he's run 35 times for 207 yards. He he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not really even Zach Mahoney from last week, and he's definitely not um, the Notre Dame quarterback Brandon Wimbush. So uh, it's nice that we will have a slight break in passing and running quarterbacks because it feels like every week we've seen a guy who can run the football back there, which has hurt us tremendously with what I would say is a subpar speed at linebacker position. I know Dalton has been spying a lot, but that has been a problem 
stopping the quarterback run when he's gotten out of the pocket. Um, yeah, the, the good thing is is uh, their efficiency there it's about average, and but they they do hit the explosive play a fair amount. Um, but they're not good at finishing drives, and their field position is iffy as well. In a game that could be decided by a few points, their special teams and kicking has not been good this year either. Um, they've alternated between Carson Wise, who is a Carson Newman transfer, um, in this year, and Kyle uh, Pambert, who I believe is the starting kicker listed this week, um, the guy who, of course, missed the Clemson kick last year that would have won the game and knocked them out of the title game. Um, but overall, I think – Not that you're rubbing it in. No, now that I'm rubbing it in, just pointing out that uh, their their special teams have been fairly iffy this year as well. Um, let me see here. Wise is 6 of 12 on field goals. Kyle Bambert is 2 of 5. So they're 8 of 17 on field goals this year. And in a game Seems that bad. could be pretty close. Yeah, in a game that's a toss-up game um, predicted by Vegas, and we've got a kicker who's done quite well this year in Mike Weaver, uh, that could be a pretty big factor. Um, if you – wanted me to take the over under right now at 62 i would be running to the bank with a lot of money to take the over um depending on the weather it's supposed to rain a little bit but we'll see how that goes would you would you take the over 62 right now if you were a gambling man oh yeah now now watch you know it'd be a torrential downpour um, <laughs> like the Syracuse and, you know, that, it, it is potentially you know I, I i'm seeing i'm seeing rain obviously it's tough to tell when, when it's that far out but but seeing rain i think that could bring us down and you know maybe a little bit of nerves of it of it being a night game but i i see this one as a shootout yeah it looks like uh just as of now scattered showers on saturday highest 60 low of 38 precipitation kind of throughout the day um kind of waning around seven but then picking up around 10 so um you know that's something to keep an eye on but wind also 15 to 20 miles an hour so that could be interesting but um overall i think everybody's expecting a, a good game um what do you think this game like frame this game in what it means for wake forest and obviously it's big for what bowl we might get right now we're sitting in charlotte the bowl projection um but there's a pretty big drop off coming to annapolis and detroit and then possibly taking that next step to orlando and jacksonville um beating an in-state team winning a, a, a night game getting to seven and four with a game left what does this game mean for the wake forest program overall i think I, you know I, I think it's good because it can you know last year look we won seven and six we won six games in in the regular season uh this gives us an opportunity to bump up by a decent amount because I am very confident that we'll, we'll beat Duke. So I think that's at least seven wins right there. But I think uh, if you look at the number of teams who get seven wins versus six wins versus eight wins, I mean, I think eight's uh, really a special number and that's reserved for really maybe the top 30 teams or so in the country, obviously depends a little bit on the, on the conference. But uh, if you're Clawson and you're looking to elevate your team to the next level, um, I think he's done that in a number of ways this year by, by knocking off Louisville, one of the teams, you know, typically in the upper echelon of the Atlantic. But I think if you can go and, and beat state, I think it could help us with, with in-state recruiting moving forward. We definitely go against those guys a lot. Won't, won't say we'll beat them on everybody, but I think um, we can beat them on, on some more guys. And then, you know, look, you're maybe you're setting yourself up for, for nine wins if you get a good ball. And if you do go, if a team's within one spot of you in the bowl eligibility, um, then they can be picked ahead of you. But if we're two spots above, uh, then we can get picked above, you know, Florida State, for example, who could still make a bowl. And because of their, uh, you know, their large fan base, I could easily see a tier one bowl picking them because making a bowl game's not, or, uh, you know, the bowl you go to isn't necessarily a meritocracy. So, you know, I think this could be big. I think this could just continue to, to add a lot of, you know, great recruiting momentum might help with some late flips, could certainly help with the 2019 class. Uh, so I, I think this would be an, an unbelievable win for, for Kloss and one, one of his biggest yet. Yeah, I agree. And just kind of eyeballing the records last year, and this is after bowl games, it looks like, give or take, around 30 teams after bowl games won at least eight games. Um, at seven, there, there's a ton of seven-win teams as well. Obviously, there are a lot of bowl games where there's six, six teams, so somebody will get to a seven-win season. But I would say it probably takes yeah. down from about 45 teams, maybe 40 teams that have won um, seven games total uh, and to maybe 25 to 30 that won eight. And that's after bowl games. So I would say only 20 to maybe 25 in a given season win in power five win eight games. So that would put Wake in pretty elite company and moving into next year where we return all of our offense linemen, all of our wide receivers, obviously Wolford and Serenay, 
losing them is going to hurt, but we've got Jack Frenthal and Kendall Hinton, who has been our starter um, before last year and came into the season as the starter before Wolford knocked him out. Um, it, we've got those guys coming in, and I don't I, the offense should be better next year as well. Um, so it sets us up for a big year moving into next year. Um, right, let's go ahead and move, I guess, into basketball a little bit, um, if you still have some time, Rob. Uh, obviously, I, this I is still a, have time as far as I know. Perfect. Um, you know, the, the the season obviously did not start the way we wanted to um, as Wake Forest basketball fans uh, against Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, a very good team in their own right, came into Winston-Salem and knocked off uh, the Demon Deacons 85-83 to on Friday night. Um, it was a bit of a shock, not only that we lost, um, but kind of the way that we lost because we came out to a 25-11 to lead, 27-13 to lead, um, and it was basically the same blueprint as the Queens game, uh, the Division II team that we wound up beating a couple weeks ago, um, except this time Georgia Southern their storm back and they beat us um Tukey Brown and Ike Smith the two guys that we kind of highlighted before their backcourt um played let's see 72 out of the 80 minutes they combined for 40 points um and uh we just couldn't stop them kind of picking up where we left off last year a Wake Forest team that can score and they can't stop anybody um Rob you were at the game and uh you ought to get a little bit of a better feel for it there what were your uh, initial impression of the Wake Forest basketball team uh on Friday night and their loss against Georgia Southern yeah, certainly, certainly very frustrating. Um, you know, we we looked sluggish. I didn't think we looked that great against against Queens either. So I was hoping to see an improvement, and we did early on. As you mentioned, we got out to you know fairly sizable, comfortable leads, um, but but we could not sustain that. And you know, offensively, obviously, we're really going to miss John Collins. I know I'm not breaking news there, but we struggle to score easily. I mean. When you look at our set, sometimes it's going a little bit later into the shot clock, and the, the ball movement on the outside isn't as crisp, and we don't have anybody who we can just go to. I mean, we do, but in that game, there was nobody who just took complete control over the ball and, and was able to get us some buckets when we really needed them. Uh, we, we had to earn a lot of our points, which could be problematic. And then, you know, defensively, look, I think there are some aspects where we're going to be better in terms of, I, I think, positionally, we rotated a little bit better. Uh, we're probably a little quicker now. We're, we're losing some shot-blocking presence on the inside. Uh, but the biggest problem to me seemed to be securing the defensive rebounds. A, a number of times we got, you know, we got the ball and we got our hands on it. We just could not secure it. And that's going to be really problematic moving forward, I think, against even bigger teams. So I'm – you know, I'm tempering my expectations down a little bit. A little bit. Uh, I'm I'm very curious to see how we come out against Liberty. Uh, the only positive I would say, well, Shondi Brown did look standing, and we can get to that. But uh, you know, if you're going to have a wake-up call, obviously you never really want it. But you know, maybe they can refocus and you know continue to work harder as the season goes along. Yeah, I think the biggest the biggest thing to me is not that we lost. It was how we lost. I mean, we, we shot 46% from threes, 11 for 24. We grabbed 20 offensive rebounds compared to just 20 defensive rebounds, and we still lost to a team out of the Sun Belt. Now, this is a very good Georgia Southern team. Um, I'm not trying to make excuses for the loss, and I, I said this coming into the game. Um, they're ranked just outside the 100 mark in Kimpom, and that's better than, you know, about half of our schedule this year. So while this was a season-opening game, this was against a very good team. They were turned four out of five starters, I believe, and uh, every single um, – or and they uh, also had one of the most experienced teams in the Sun Belt last year. So they're going to compete for that conference. They're going to compete to be at the 20-year mark, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them in the NCAA tournament. That being said, uh, you know, we went to the NCAA tournament last year. We're looking to take the next step. Obviously, we have to replace John Collins. We have to find a replacement for Dino's Mittaglou. And I thought Terrence Thomas step, Thompson stepped in and brought basically what we thought. He, I don't mean this in any negative connotation whatsoever. He's a garbage man. He grabs rebounds. He puts them back in. He battles inside. And uh, you don't want him to, to rely on them too much. Um, you look at what Keyshawn Woods, Sean D. Brown, and Brian Crawford did. They combined for, let's see, 65 points. You throw in Brandon Childress there. 72 out of our 83 points came from the one, two, or three position. Um, you, you looked heading into the season. Who's going to be the five for us? Olivier Sarr was a late scratch where he hurt his finger in practice. Um, it said he shouldn't be out very long, but his status for tomorrow night is currently unknown. Darrell Moore comes out and immediately picks up two fouls, picking right up where he left off last year. Um, in total, Moore played 14 minutes, had two points, 
four rebounds, five turnovers, three blocks, and four personal fouls. Um, I, he didn't get playing time because he can't stay on the court. Um, same with uh, Sam Jafet Matthias. He was out there for seven minutes, and he accrued no stats at all. He had a seven trillion, so he was just running around. Um, that's not what you – That's. Not, I mean, I'm serious. That That's not what you want out well, of your five. You want a guy I, who gets I, in there I, and blocks shots. I can't believe I'm going to defend somebody who just got a seven trillion, but <laughs> I won't defend it to the full extent, but I will say a number of times he, he was, he was posting up and probably should have been given the ball. Now I'm not going to say he was sure. going to drop step and dunk on dunk on his defender. I, I would have liked to have seen the, the guards feed him a little bit more because I thought he had some okay, some okay position, but other than that, no, he did not necessarily flash, which, um, you know, not the most encouraging thing in the world. Yeah, I mean, he he's a 6'11 guy, 6'11, 280. The tallest guy on uh, Georgia Southern was 6'8, 240, and 6'8, 230. And those guys played a combined 40 minutes. Um, and the guy who was 6'8, 230 had 14 points and 13 rebounds in 24 minutes. And uh, SJM played seven minutes and didn't accrue a statistic. Um, overall, if you look at the team, I think it's definitely going to be one that is a short bench. Um, if these guys can't get into shape. Melo Eggleston played one minute. SJM played seven minutes. Mal, more because of uh, Boucher will play 14 minutes. Mitchell played 10 minutes. It would not surprise me if by the end of the year we are down to a, or even the middle of the year, we're down to a pretty solid seven to eight main rotation where you've got Wood, Brown, Thompson, Crawford, Wilbick and Childress, those are six. And then whoever the big main is that steps up. Um, and if, if that forces us to go small, then we'll get used to going small. But, I mean, we can't we can't have guys out there that are playing for seven minutes not occurring stats or guys that are playing for 15 minutes and because they've committed five turnovers and four fouls. Um, and, and it's frustrating because these are things we kind of knew coming in the season. It's not really something Danny Manning could address. It was a late departure by Medical. He came in and plugged that with Terrence Thompson, which looks to be a pretty good pickup early on. Um, and then obviously Collins leaving. You couldn't. You, we knew that about midway through last year, but you can't plan for that from a recruiting standpoint. Um, it's an early season. I don't. I don't want to chalk it up to just being a lost season right now. But I do think that the um, the loss of Collins and Mitaglue and even Austin Arians is going to hurt a lot more than people thought. You know, I think a lot of people said, "Oh, we're going to come in. We're just going to be a more efficient team uh, defensively and offensively." But um, you can't overstate the loss of Mitaglue and Collins enough. They were guys that uh, put leadership, guys that went in and grabbed rebounds, where you've got other guys who are on the court that have to go step up and grab rebounds now that, you know, maybe they're, they're still used to waiting for one of those guys to come in. So that's something that you have to, you know, we play Liberty tomorrow. They won by 45 points over the weekend over something called a Clark summit. Um, so that doesn't really provide a lot, but they did beat VCU by 16 points in an exhibition game. Um, Wake Forest is projected to win this game by 13. Liberty is vastly um, undermanned as far as height goes, but as these last two games have shown, it, Wake, doesn't seem to have, be able to exploit that height differential. Um, what are your thoughts about what you want to see tomorrow and what, what the improvements want to be if, uh, you know, you're going to get a little bit more optimistic about where the season's heading after two games instead of one? Uh, uh, sure. I mean, I, I'm looking for, for a crisper ball movement. I'm, I'm looking for a, a greater sense of, sense of urgency, um, especially offensively and then, then defensively. I'm, I'm looking for – a little bit less um, blown assignments in, in awareness. Uh, and I'm also looking for, you know, how aggressive are we in, in securing rebounds? It, you know, a number of times we got our hands on it. We could not seal the deal. And that's where I underestimated what the, what the loss of Dino Smitiglou would be. He has massive hands. He's a great rebounder, um, a pretty good shot blocker for us. So honestly, it, had we had Mitiglou, I think, you know, we would have been a, a much better team this year just based on his his value of, above what our current replacements are. Thank goodness we got Thompson. I think he needs to be a little bit stronger in terms of putting the ball back up uh, and ultimately converting. And um, you know, I'm I'm hoping to see more out of out of Brown Moore. Keyshawn Woods talked him up a, a pretty good amount at at ACC Media Days. Talked about his improvement, and you can definitely see improvement in terms of the way he runs. Um, but it's it's not quite there. So uh, against a, a smaller team in Liberty, um, this is I shouldn't say a test, but this is going to tell you something. If he's not doing it now, uh, he's probably not going to be doing it against a lot of others. 
Yeah, and I mean, Liberty's another team. Um, I wrote an article last week before the season started that kind of highlighted our schedule and said it, it's a lot harder than kind of how it meets the eye. And it, you can tell what is trying to be done with the schedule. There's a lot of teams between 100 and 200 in Kempom, which for these lower conferences, it's usually going to be top three or four. Um, so Liberty went, let's see, they went 19 and 12 last year. Um, they're a very slow team. Uh, Richie McKay likes running one of the slower offenses in the country. Um, they made the postseason. I, mean, I don't know what tournament it was, but they won two games and needed, I think it's the CBI um, before losing to UMBC. This could be a test. And I mean, I, a lot of Wake fans don't want to hear that, but these games were scheduled with the uh, purpose of not hurting our RPI once we got down the stretch here and that means these games are a little tougher than we expect. So um, tomorrow night will be a test. They beat BC on the exhibition game and Wake Forest needs to come out and even up their schedule at one and one. Um, Rob, can you give some thoughts on the freshmen that you saw? Uh, Shondi Brown, Mello Eggleston obviously played one minute. Um, the other Un- well, unfortunately, unfortunately I have to run, um, but I will sure. say Shondi Brown outstanding. Uh, and I hope to see, hope to see SAR, uh, Keep holding down the fort, and um, go Deeks. Absolutely appreciate it, Rob. All right, so Rob was having some car trouble, so that's why um, he had to dip out a little early here. But um, heading into the game tomorrow night, this is a, obviously it's far from a must win, but I think at this point we're just trying to look for um, – I guess some continuity going into the second game. Wake Forest rebounded it very well offensively, and we know what we've got in the backcourt with Keyshawn Wood, Sean D. Brown, Brian Crawford, and Brandon Childress. But the big questions remain at the four and the five. We didn't get to see Olivier Saar due to his injury. Um, Donovan Mitchell played 10 minutes. Um, didn't Wasn't much of a uh, – I guess, presence in the box score with three rebounds, um, had a turnover and a couple of fouls. Uh, Richard Washington is still nursing uh, his shoulder, so he's out. Uh, right now, it's just it's going to be a question of who can step up at the four and the five because otherwise the team is just going to have to go to a three or at times a four-guard lineup if Brown is going to play there where Thompson slides to the five. And I don't think, I don't think the coaching staff wants to do that. I don't think the fans want to see that um, because it's going to – produce a lot of sloppy basketball, a lot of up and down. And it'll be interesting to see what Coach Manning and the staff do tomorrow night against Liberty, a team that's a lot smaller, a team that likes to slow it down, play a half-court offense, to see if we uh, if we still try to press it or if we can try to get into a nice half-court set where we can be efficient too. Um, last year, Wake Forest was obviously very efficient in all aspects of the game, but a lot of that was just toss, tossing the ball down to John Collins and letting him lay it in or tunk it or get his own rebound and lay it back in. Um, this year we don't have that inside presence yet and it's going to be kind of a reversal where Bryant Crawford, Keyshawn Woods and Sean D. Brown all have to step up and, and they did so admirably um, Keyshawn Woods had 25 points six rebounds and an assist uh, Crawford hurt, I think he had foul trouble and he also might have hurt jammed a finger in the first half but he had a pretty good second half uh, coming alive for 19 points, um, three rebounds and three assists, he did have three turnovers but also had three steals um, so he kind of made up for his deficiencies there. Kind of picking up where Rob was going, Sean D. Brown in his first career game for Wake had 21 points and nine rebounds. Um, a very successful season opener for uh, for the freshman, and he showed why right off the bat that he's considered a, a top 30 player in his class. Um, obviously, his body is very, very ready for the ACC, um, and to be 18 years old, that's uh, that's something that you can't really teach at this point. And I thought Ryan Horn, the, the athletic trainer, had some pointed um, comments in the Flow Hoops video that I would recommend. It's about 10 minutes long that follows him around a little bit. Uh, he, he states that Brown has a, an NBA ready body obviously but they're working on the hip and ankle mobility uh, that he needs to excel on the basketball court because he was he's an athlete in high school he was much better than everybody he's playing against but as you get into the ACC while everybody's not as uh, built as he is obviously everybody's extremely talented um, and you get into those top 25 teams Louisville Miami Duke Florida State Carolina NC State um, Syracuse they, they've all got athletes like that they've all got players who are very skilled and uh, Sean D. Brown has to figure that out but I think it, it's shown that he can make an immediate presence at the three and he played 31 minutes and that's what we're going to need um pretty much night in and night out maybe not the 30 minutes every night but at least 25 um to 30 good minutes and he didn't commit a single foul and only had two turnovers to show you why everybody's excited about the 2018 class as well um 
some people I know don't like recruiting numbers. They don't like to hear, oh, we got five stars. You know, we'll just bring in three stars and build them up. But, that, you know, it, time and time again, we see the teams that win national championships um, and have success, sustained success in the regular season conference tournament and NCAA tournament are guys that have four and five stars. So um, our class for 18 is very, very encouraging. And I think Sean D. Brown are uh, quite good as well. So, Moving ahead to soccer, and I was fortunate enough to go to um, the Charleston title game because uh, it was about 15 minutes away from my apartment. And while it was not the most exciting game ever, given that it was a 0-0 draw through 110 minutes, um, Wake Forest did manage to come away with its second consecutive ACC championship. And uh, while it was supposed to be around 16 overcast, it wound up being a pretty nice day. And uh, all the Wake fans who drove down or lived in the area, um, special shout out to the congregation. There was a great crowd there, and it was a, a definitive Wake Forest home field advantage. I would say um, at smallest had a two to one fan advantage and I would say it might have been up to three to four times um, and it was very loud. You can audibly hear the Wake Forest fans over the ESPN3 broadcast um, I, I was told after the fact and you know Wake Forest decidedly looked like the better team for much much of the first half before um, with 40 in the 43rd minute we picked up our second yellow card and that caused uh, Wake to go down a man and unfortunately um, when you get two yellows, that turns into a red, and you play a man short for the rest of the game. Fortunately for Wake Forest, UVA, despite having the main advantage, chose to not exploit that at all. They kept, uh, they stayed to their 5-4-1 uh, tactical formation and just refused to move numbers up, which calls for a very boring soccer game. But uh, for Wake Forest, that was about as uh, as well as we could have hoped for that to go after we went down to 10 men we were able to really in the second half still look like the better team and I haven't seen possession numbers on it but if I had to guess I would say Wake maintained possession and uh we, we outshot him in the second half three to one I don't think there were any shots on goal in the first half but we got into penalty kicks and uh from there it, it got really nerve-wracking and it, there were shades of the NCAA finals against Stanford last year where Wake Forest dropped um there uh obviously they lost that game but Virginia made their first two kicks and uh, Wake Forest missed their first two uh, their first two were saved uh Bacaro's first kick was not a great one it was easily saved the second kick was a little um bit better but it was saved as well so Wake dug up their set themselves a hole down two to nothing and for those of you who don't know um in penalty kicks in soccer it is the best of five they're basically rounds um and if it's tied after five then it goes into basic innings afterwards where it's sudden death if uh the first team scores and the second team does not then the game's over vice versa the game is also over if both score both miss you just keep going um but wait far as bounce back we scored on the third attempt and um our goalkeeper came up big he was the mvp um of the entire acc championship made a save uh wake then scored on the next attempt and the virginia player skied it over the goal um to tie the game up um, the next two both went in uh, for Wake and Virginia and the same in the fifth round and then in the sixth round um, Ima Tumasi came up and drilled a kick and a Virginia player skied it again setting off a pretty raucous celebration um, so this is the second consecutive or the second straight ACC championship tournament win for Wake Forest and um, Wake Forest still is not um, it's still looking for the treble, which is the regular season title, the ACC tournament title, and now the NCAA tournament title. Uh, the bracket came out today in Wake Forest, as expected, was the number one overall seed, and they will await on Sunday. They will host the winner of the William & Mary Columbia soccer game. Um, and since we got the number one overall seed, it's a 48-team tournament, so the top 16 seeds all get by in the first round. VCU is the 16 seed, so assuming if everything goes to plan, we will play either William & Mary or Columbia. They are 29th and 34th in RPI, respectively. Uh, Columbia is 29th, William & Mary is 34th. Um, and then if ECU wins that, we will play them in the, the round of uh, 32. Uh, and then from there, we will either play Clemson or Stanford, um, which is a pretty interesting layout. That'll be in the Elite Eight. Stanford, obviously, is the team that Wake Forest lost to in the championship last year. Clemson is the team that's given Wake Forest the um, biggest two tests this year. They are fifth in the country. They're fifth in the ACC tournament, and now they are seeded 
um, eighth nationally, which is probably a little lower than they deserve, um, quite frankly. But uh, it, it'll be a tough quarterfinals matchup there. If they win that, Wake will, if everything goes according to seed, which it very rarely does, but the best opponent they could play is Louisville, um, also an ACC team. We beat them in Louisville um, earlier this year. And then the finals, we would host or it would be in Philadelphia. The final four would be um, against Indiana who has yet to lose this year, but they did drop um, the big 10 conference tournament yesterday to 24th ranked Wisconsin. Um, it's going to be a pretty, pretty good tournament. Wake should, it's going to host all the way through the final to the final four, where it would then move to Pennsylvania. I believe that is at the Philadelphia union um, stadium, which is about 35 to 40 minutes outside of Philadelphia. Um, the first game that wake would host uh, will host will be Sunday. And as I said, it'll be either William and Mary or Columbia. Um, they will be huge favorites in that game. They'll be favored in every game, the rest of the NCAA tournament as the number one overall seed uh, and, and seeing them play live yesterday against a team that is talented, like Virginia top 15 team. Uh, it, it's easy to see why Wake Forest is the hands-on favorite to win the national championship. Uh, they're dominant on the ball. They're very good defensively when they need to be, even when they go a man down, they can still maintain possession. And uh, we've got great goalkeeping at the back. Um, and it's a very well-rounded team. Bobby Muse should be very proud of what he's done. Um, three straight ACC Coach of the Year awards, back-to-back uh, -back ACC Player of the Year awards last year in Ian Hark, this year in John Baccaro, and also a Defensive Player of the Year this year in Kevin Politz, who unfortunately is out for the year with a uh, knee injury. But yeah, so it's been a heck of a weekend. Uh, congratulations to the Wake Forest women's soccer team as well, who defeated uh, Georgetown on Friday night in penalty kicks also, and they will travel um, to play Penn State this weekend on Friday afternoon. Penn State 10th in the country and Wake Forest is 24th, um, so kudos to them as well. And um, overall, it was a very fun-filled weekend, and uh, another weekend – coming up is going to be just like that. We've got the Wake State game on Saturday night. We've got three basketball games as Wake Forest travels to Lynchburg, Virginia uh, for what was supposed to be the U.S. Virgin Islands Paradise Jam, but now it's the Paradise Jam in Lynchburg. Um, we will play Drake on Friday night. If we win, we will either play, I believe, Colorado or Quinnipiac, and then if we win that, we will play in the finals at against Houston. Um, all those games, I believe, will be at 8 or 8.30 on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. Um, obviously the men's soccer game team has a game on Sunday and then the women play on Friday. So if you get a chance, get out to the game on Friday, on Saturday night, I would say be your number one priority, support the Wake Forest football team. Uh, hopefully the weather stays good, not looking great now, but it should get a little bit better. Um, and then Sunday, get out and support your uh, men's soccer team as well. And obviously watch the, uh, watch the basketball game, but um, we appreciate as always that uh, you tuned in to listen here. And uh, I know we got several questions and comments on there. We tried to address all of them on Twitter and uh, we covered as much as we could on here as well. But if you have any follow-up, just uh, hit Rob up on Twitter um, or hit myself up at BSD underscore RA Johnston. But as always, we are happy to have you and go Deeks. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.